0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do!
0: Welcome into another edition of Believe in South Carolina. It is the bye week, but there's still plenty of football to be discussed here. As South Carolina gears up for the second half of their schedule next week. Mike Human alongside me is Nick Klaus. Marcus Lattimore has the week off, just like the Gamecocks having the week off. But just because the week is off from a game standpoint, Nick, this is the week that they need to be able to fine tune a couple of things. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But all things considered, after starting the year off one and two, after the struggles they had from an offensive standpoint, despite what we've mentioned on this show, going all the way back to the summer that they would have their growing pains. They had to go out there and do it. They did it against Charlotte. They did it against South Carolina State. And now for the first time since 2017, they have a three-game winning streak because they were able to beat Kentucky in Lexington for the first time since Marcus Lattimore's final season as a Gamecock. Not too shabby right now. Again, all things considered, not saying that this team is perfect there's no room for improvement. No, no, no. They had to be able to do this in order to get to this back half of the schedule now to make you feel at least a little bit better where they are.
1: They did what they needed to do. They they got the job done. They went into Lexington. Mm-hmm. They took advantage of Will Levis being out. And that's what they needed to do. If they didn't do that, you know, you're looking at a three, you're looking at a three and three record right now. And, you know, where's the season gonna go? where are the games you get bowl eligible you know now they're in a good spot so yes there was will levis was out let's talk about that for a second yes he was out if will levis is in different game but south carolina still went into lexington against a ranked opponent and kentucky's not just ranked because will levis is great i mean it is a big reason but their defense, their offense, Rodriguez, the running back. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that mm-hmm. team's good. So that was a good win. And to pick up Shane Beamer's first road SEC win in Lexington, you know, you know, we all saw that video after about the Mark Stoops comments. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more. I mean, they were ready and they did what they needed to do. They took care of business. Um, And I think Gamecock fans should be happy. Yes, there's a lot to improve on. It was not perfect. But, you know, it's got to feel good for South Carolina fans to feel, you know, happy on a Saturday night after a big win. And uh, I think it's going to be huge going into the bye week against Texas A&M, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah,
0: I don't think there was a lot of waters that needed to be mixed in Saturday night in Columbia, South Carolina after that one. But I'll say this. We mentioned a handful of stats, Nick, last week. Things to keep an eye on. We talked about the sacks and how Kentucky had struggled protecting their quarterback. Going into that game, allowing 19 sacks in the first five games. We mentioned how they gave up five sacks against NIU. Well, South Carolina, a team that going into that game, and I hope I'm not giving people, people popsicle headaches here with all these numbers. So I'll slow down with some of them. But some of them are important to point out. The fact that South Carolina had four sacks going into that game, four, they were able to get five. And if I'm wrong with any of these stats, correct me here, because I don't have the paper in front of me as I'm driving Uh, into that stadium. I'll double check them. But I believe they had five sacks. Six sacks. On top of that, six sacks. Here, even better. Six sacks. On top of that, Rodriguez, a guy that, as you heard Marcus say last week, he was going to be talked about a lot. And you saw why he was talked about a lot. Well, in the second half, South Carolina held him between 30 to 40 yards, rushing Chris Rodriguez, that is. After having a pretty good start offensively in the first half, they were able to contain him. So the fact that you give up, what, 120-something, whatever the case may be, you were able to stop Kentucky in a way that you knew how they were going to attack you. You You knew they wanted to run the football whether Will Levis was out there or not, they wanted to run the football on you because a lot of teams think that's your weakness right now. And you know what? Still is. It still is. So again, like you mentioned, Nick, they did exactly what they needed to do two weeks ago, this past weekend, they did exactly what they needed to do. And to see when this team starts to get a little healthier on defense, right? Because I know we want to talk about the offense. I understand that. Let's talk about the defense. To see them get a little healthier each week, to see David Spaulding out there on the field and the impact that he had on that first play forcing the fumble that Tonka Hemingway picked up, to be able to see that, to be able to see that was huge. It was massive. And on top of that, Darius Rush, seeing him back out on the field, to see the younger players like D.K. Smith playing nickel. It, it's, this is what we've talked about for the last couple of weeks of the defense, is that they need to get as healthy as they can, but the depth, the depth needs to grow. And I think we're starting to see that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we're definitely starting to see that. And it's funny how we talked about Darius Rush last episode and his impact and how it could change. And I'm watching the game, and I'm just like, oh, thank God we have him back. Because he does. He makes an impact. He's, he's a playmaker. And Spalding, you know, had uh, forcing the fumble on the first play, like you mentioned, also um, believe had an interception in there too. Um, I'm just double-checking my stats. Yeah, he did. and. uh so the defense stepped up. You were hundred percent right. Stopping the run is still the weakness. hundred percent. They're still gonna go out. You just talked about Rodriguez and how he did how you know they were able to silence him in the second half. He still finished with 126 yards rushing. Just a, just another day in the office. That's fine. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd had a great game and he ran for 110, same amount of carries. So it was a great running back matchup, but the weakness is still stopping the run. Every team is going to try and run the ball on you, and you have to prove to them you can stop it. I want to say another thing. Whether it's offense or defense starting the game well, that was a huge difference in this Kentucky game. Every game you've watched prior to this one, its I mean, Charlotte, even Char- Charlotte started slow. South Carolina State was a little more, you know, South Carolina's game the whole time. Georgia obviously started very slow. Arkansas started very slow. This was a game where South Carolina came out from the beginning, literally from the first drive. They came to play and they showed it and they had energy and motivation and, you know, the confidence from that first play and it took them the rest of the game. And you can tell they're just playing better. It looks like they're up, their heads are up, they're ready. They know what they're capable of. And the whole demeanor is different. And so I think that's just so important for the rest of the season for them to stay dialed in and start the games well. You know, Come out with some tenacity, aggression, be ready to play. That's what they need in these SEC games, especially with an SEC schedule like they have. So I was extremely happy to see them come out right out of the gate. And they're ready to play. They're ready to play with Kentucky well, and show that they, the can, thing, though, they though. can do it. Here's the thing, though, right? The offense,
0: I don't want to say it stunk in the first half. Was it great? No. And the reason why I don't want to say it stunk is because the defense they were going up against was ranked the 20th, top defense in FBS going into that game. Mm -hmm. So, and here's the challenging part. Here's the challenging part. I'm not saying this for everybody, but here's the challenging part. If you're not a fan of Marcus Satterfield, if you're not a fan of the offensive system, the scheme, maybe you're not a fan of Spencer Rattler, as crazy as that sounds. I've seen some people on our message board. I've seen some people whether it be on our post-game show. I've, I've seen it. Okay? Think about that. And that's a their error. Again, 17 that has come out and they have won the first quarter of those games. So six times, that's the secret. That's this 20, 25, 30, as we mentioned last week, as we mentioned before in the past, a lot of people kind of chuckled at when he said, we're a pretty good fourth quarter team. Even go back to last season, they're a team that gets better as the game goes on. So if they can find a way, especially coming out of a bye week, and you hope that they don't come out flat, I don't care who they're playing against. Texas A&M is a team that you should be able to compete against. You should be able to compete against. But even, I mean, even if it, you just need to be able to come out and compete early, you can't make this not a game. You can't. You can't. If they fall behind early in any of these games, Nick, I, I don't know if they can overcome them. I think that is the issue with this South Carolina team.
1: No, a hundred percent. I don't think they can. They can overcome a slow start in a lot of these games. Um, and the thing, the good thing is. What is in favor of South Carolina is going the fact that they get this Kentucky win that's such a confidence booster and feels so good. Um, and then they go into the bye week. The South Carolina is always better off the bye week when they have we've seen it before. You've mentioned it earlier in the podcast when Satterfield has time to get ready, it usually is much better for South Carolina than the week-to-week games. So, because, I mean, the three first, first three-game win streak since 2017, I mean, the amount of times last year you'd see fans get upset, and even me, from, oh, great game against Florida, lose the next one. Or, like, yep. good win, lose the next one. They could never string together wins, which was such a problem and what kept them being a 6 and sixteen. team. So if you don't want to be a 6-6 and team this year, you have to win, you know, get a win streak going. Like you have now, a three-game win streak extended to four against Texas A&M. Texas A&M is beatable. I'm also seeing reports that they might have a third-string quarterback in that Mm -hmm. game. It's uncertain right now, but that's what we're seeing. So that's another situation where... Yeah, they don't have a starting quarterback. They may not be at their strongest. Well, South Carolina, go in and take advantage of that. I think I saw something else that was like South Carolina's 14-2 and two after the bye week, coming off the bye week for the last like 16 years. So the stats and the numbers are all in their favor. The situation, I think, is going to be in their favor. But they have to come out aggressive and on top. And, I, you know, I want to see them play well at home against a good opponent obviously SC state and Charlotte were both at home, but I mean, those are, those are lesser opponents and maybe not, they're not in the same league as the SEC. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see a great game at home. Last one was Georgia. Mm-hmm. Last big game at home was Georgia. And we all saw how that turned out. Um, so if you're going to start fast, if you're going to get on the first drive and put one in the end zone or cause a turnover, do it at home against Texas a and a team you haven't beaten in years. So. You know, the situation's in their favor, so hopefully they can take advantage of it.
0: And there's going to be challenges, right? There's going to be challenges with the fact that A&M's also coming off the bike. So everything that we sit here today and we discuss in favor of South Carolina, right? Sitting here saying, okay, you have an extra week to repair. You have an extra week to get healthy." same can be said about A&M. And on top of that, that are close to this program and inside that building, the importance of having this bye week come after this win in their eyes is massive to be able to get that equilibrium back. Because as big of a win as this was, it doesn't mean absolutely anything the following week, right? We could talk about momentum and confidence. Yeah, that's true. But what you did last week means absolutely nothing moving forward. And I feel like historically in the small sample size of of what I've seen from my coverage since 2016, that has been an issue for South Carolina. Is that unfair for me to say? Because we've only had, what, a year and a half now of Shane Beamer being here. And a lot of that has to do with more so the Will Muschamp era, maybe. But we've seen it even with this group. Right, we talked about it all off season. How would they respond to the fact of everybody, everybody telling them how good they are, But the majority of these players, when about ninety five percent of this team, never had to deal with handling success in South Carolina, except if you're a, a super senior, unless you're like a Brad Johnson or an Eric Douglas. The majority of these players don't know what handling success looks like at South Carolina, even Spencer Rattler. Yeah, he's had success at Oklahoma. This isn't Norman. This is Columbia. It's, it's different. So I think it was a learning experience for these players when they had that first game. It was a wake-up call in a lot of ways. And being able to figure a couple things out, right, from an offensive standpoint, figuring things out, From a defensive standpoint, some of the injuries that occurred the first two weeks of the season, even the first three weeks, you know, even going to that Georgia game. So I I think that being able to be at this point where you're four and two, we can sit here, we can talk about the record, which is great. Hey, two wins away from being eligible That's fantastic. I think more importantly, you're at a point right now where you're literally at the midway point of the season. You have five SEC games coming up, and then, of course, you play Clemson to end the year in the regular season. This game against A&M, it's not even about getting to five wins. It's not even about, I don't know, getting closer to bowl eligible. I mean, all that stuff's important, Nick. I'm not saying that it's not. Mm-hmm. It's great. But I think the bigger picture of it all is you have an opportunity to be able to build off of what you started this year and what you do during this week can be a good indication of what we can see moving forward after this AM game. How do you handle this week? Like you mentioned, you have an extra week. You have an extra week to prepare. If you can't come out flying around, all right, it's not even about going out there and beating AM. and And I know some people, I, I hate moral victories, but my point being is, how do they look? How do they, if they come out flat, shoot, all the positivity, all the steps forward that we've been talking about, the consistency, I don't say it goes fully out the window, but it's that same one step forward, two step back that we've seen from South Carolina over the last couple of years. They need to come out and they need to have a hard fought game. If they get the win, obviously that's fantastic. They just cannot come out flat.
1: No, they can't. They can't. You can't against this an SEC opponent. You know, Texas A&M. In my opinion, it, I mean, they're not as good as people thought they would be. Um, maybe they were a little overhyped to start the season, but also with the things that they've gone through so far this season, they're at the situ- They have the situation they have, and it's putting South Carolina in a position where they have a pretty winnable game at home that's, that's winnable if they play the way they can. Now, judging from the beginning of the season, we've talked about it since our first game recap. And we talked about they have to get better every single week. They, Shane Beamer always says 1% better every day. Those types of things, a lot of coaches have that. You know mentality. You're seeing that. In my opinion, you are seeing these people get, these players get better every game. They're improving. I mean, maybe, yes, a little step back against Georgia. That was a bad game. But overall, I think they are improving. But what you said at the end is the key thing. Are they going to do the thing where they go two steps forward and take one step back? That's the thing you have to avoid. If you are getting 1% better every day. This team is obviously getting more confident. They're feeling better, and they're playing better. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, just his numbers have gone up so much throughout the season. Antoine Wells is still playing very well. Rattler didn't have a horrible game. He was 14 for 19. Yeah, he had an interception, but you know, better than what we've seen in the past couple weeks, or at least against you know Arkansas and Georgia, if you're judging the SEC schedule. But... Don't take all of that away because you're not taking that away. The truth is, if, if they lose to Texas A&M and it's, it's not a great game, you're not taking that away. But in the eyes of the media, in the eyes of fans who are going to talk, it is going to be two steps forward and one massive step back because you just beat Kentucky and now you lost a and at home um, and you got blown out or something. Like that's that's a big step back. And that's what we're used to seeing in my four years at or three and a half years at South Carolina. I saw that more times than you could count because I was also at the school during six wins in two years. So they can't take the massive step backwards. If they want to kind of we we're talking about handling success at South Carolina, and yeah, they're learning to handle success. But you're still four and two. You did something big last week. But in a week from now, when they play, or in a week from Saturday, when they play AM, nothing they did against Kentucky will be talked about. Yes, we'll know about it and we'll think about it. And as people who cover the game, Cox and like the game, Cox, we know about it and we think about how big it was for them to get that win. But fans are going to see four and three. They lost to A&M. Oh, now we're struggling to get to six and six again because of our schedule. Um, so the big, I think you nailed it on the he- head. I mean, you can't take a massive step back. Show that this team is different. Show that this isn't the South Carolina teams of the past that we've seen win a game and then drop one and not be able to string a few wins together that make those great seasons. Um. And that's what they got to do against Texas A&M. They got the week off to do it, to get ready. So keep getting better this week. And we could see an even even better South Carolina team playing A&M. So how do you do that?
0: And we mentioned some of those things before, right? Being able to come out, putting yourself in a situation where the game is competitive early. Mentioning that stat, 5-1 and when South Carolina outscores their opponent in the first quarter against FBS teams. Of course, that's huge. I think what this week needs to be about more than anything outside of the obvious, which is getting healthy, from an offensive standpoint, it's about being able to ask yourself, Marcus Satterfield, to ask yourself, Shane Beamer, to ask yourself as an offense, what do we need to do to continue to put ourselves in the best situation to succeed as simple as a question as that is, that's honestly the God's honest truth. I feel like going into this season based on what we heard from Satterfield, what we heard from the coaches, what we heard from some of the players. I truly believe the goal going into this season from an offensive standpoint was to pass the football. It was to throw the ball all over the field. Now, there's multiple reasons why that hasn't flourished into maybe the success or the way that they had envisioned at the start of the season. But I think and I think what we've also seen is we've seen them realize, hey, Marshawn starting to look like the Marshawn that we had hoped he would look like when he arrived to your freshman year. And of course, this coaching oh, yeah. staff wasn't here by then. But you guys get the point. He's starting to. He he, That that knee injury is well behind him. He's not thinking about it. And we talked ad nauseum, ad nauseum about that all offseason. We've heard from Marcus himself. We talked about it on Gamecock Central. We had Marshawn himself talk with us during Garnet Trust interviews. Being able to run the football in the manner in which they are running, you need to be able to adjust your offense to that. You need to cater. To that, you need to find ways to play off your run. And as we mentioned last week, as as Marcus mentioned, Nick, right? Rattler is at his best when he's outside the pocket. Mm -hmm. And some of the best ways to be able to get your quarterback in that position is to be able to do some play action, to do some rollouts, to do some boots. And when you have a successful run game, that's only going to help that part of it that much more. I feel like we have seen it a little bit more as the season's gone on. I feel like we're starting to see Rattler get outside the pocket a little bit more. If people want to complain about the offensive line, and I've said this before, it's not like there's All-Americans across the board. What the hell are you watching? Really, what the hell are you watching? Are you just getting clips from message boards from last year at the start of the season or tweets? and just recycling them? Because if you do think that, I don't know what the hell to tell you. Gwyn was named an Offensive Player of the Week for the conference last week. And I can tell you right now, that doesn't happen if the offensive line as a whole, as a whole, looks like trash. It doesn't happen. So while, yes, it is an individual award, he would not be recognized if the offensive line as a whole had a terrible game. They are making improvements. So I don't want to hear anyone talk about how the offensive line is off. No, stop it. Offensive line, again, not saying that they're the greatest thing since the friggin' you know, the greatest show on turf with the Rams back in 99. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is find something else to complain about. And I think some people that, are tired of this offense, Nick, because, look, they're going to go into this bye week. They'll make some wrinkles. They'll make some adjustments. They might do some of the things that we're talking about right now. But if you're expecting to be what it is, it's going to be what it is. But, man, can you find – I'm not saying that they're not – I mean, they can come out and they can lay an egg against a and but that's not the issue right now. That's not the issue. The issue more than anything is just freaking executing some of the plays. Even that Rattler short pass to Juju in that third down situation next. No. There were certainly some plays you can look at It okay, happens every game. I don't care if you have the greatest offensive coordinator in the world. But there were situations that pulled well, those plays in the first half. In the second half, what did they do? They started to execute. They started to make those plays happen. And as a result, what did we see? We saw South Carolina start to click more offensively in the second half.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the offense has a long way to go. We know this. I agree with you. The offensive line has not been the problem. <laughs> that's not a reason to, that's not something to complain about. They haven't been the problem. They're doing, they've improved from last year to this year, which is something we talked about a lot in the off season, was what can this offensive line do? And we didn't need it to be all Americans across the board. Like you said, you know, it just needed to be better. And it is, it's definitely better. So that's not in my opinion, where the problem lies. I mean, you look at the Kentucky game and there were problems, just like the one you mentioned, you know, on the third down to Juju, those types of things you have to tighten up Mm -hmm. overall. Spencer Rattler, Marshawn Lloyd and Antoine Wells, who I think are probably the three, at least so far, the three biggest playmakers the South Carolina has this season based on the numbers and who's producing because Jaheim Bell hasn't gotten the ball as much as we, we would like. And, um, Josh Van hasn't got, really gotten as involved. But those three guys all had good games, and South Carolina won the game. Wells had 66 yards for one touchdown. Great, great run by him. Um, he's a yards after catch machine. Marshawn Lloyd, 110 yards and a touchdown. And Rattler, like I said, was 14 for 19, 177 yards with one touchdown. I do think they need to run the ball. I understand we talked all about we're going to be throwing it all the time. We didn't bring Rattler here not to throw the ball. But your run game is what's working. And if the run game works, like we've said before, and like you'll hear every probably every analyst say on ESPN when you're watching the game, they run the ball well, that opens up Spencer Rattler to make plays down the field. And I would rather... South Carolina be like, okay, Marshawn Lloyd is running well. Let's run it. And then when they do throw the ball, they're better plays. They're better plays. They look, they look a little cleaner. And, like, Rattler's able to throw 14 for 19 um, in a game against an SEC opponent. Like, we've seen Spencer Rattler have the worst QBR of every SEC quarterback. So, I'm okay with 177 yards, a touchdown, 14 for 19, but the win. If Marshawn Lloyd can run over hundred yards, which I believe he can because he's just like we've talked about so many times, he is a beast. And he's probably the best player South Carolina has right now on offense, on the, on that side of the ball. Um, And we, we talked about it, Mike, a couple weeks ago or last episode or the identity of this offense. They're still finding it. I don't think they found it. I think they're getting closer, but I think they're still looking and they're still trying to figure it out. But I think Marshawn Lloyd has to be the star because if, if you're Texas A&M looking at the tape, you're watching the Kentucky game and you're like, yeah, Marshawn Lloyd, he's, he's who they have. Um, Hmm. And so their goal is going to be stop Marshawn Lloyd. So if Marsh let Marshawn run it, see if he can have success again. And if he does, that opens up Rattler um, to throw the ball downfield and get out of the pocket and throw where he's comfortable and and make this offense move move better. And uh, you know I'm going to say it every week: Jaheem just needs to touch the ball more, make some plays, but. Um, want to see him get more involved Josh Josh van definitely was more involved against Kentucky. So that was, that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense has improved. It was nice watching them against Kentucky. Cause you're not banging your head against a table every five seconds, watching them play. Uh, so that was nice. And also South Carolina fans, you know, we got to go home happy on a Saturday night. So overall, taken that hundred percent, but things need to tighten up and get better every single day and get better every game. And if they continue to do that, I mean, four and two is a, a good start. One
0: other player I would add to that trio is Jalen Brooks. You know, he's been a lot oh, of fun to yes. watch this year. Yes. Uh-huh. He has been, I think even better been advertised when he first arrived at South Carolina, coming from Wingate. So, look, being away from the game for about a year, dealing with some personal personal issues, um, having him back, I don't think a lot of people, at least on the outside, expected much from him, just because it wasn't like he, it wasn't like the guy stunk when he was here before. But the production wasn't there consistently. So to be able to see him go out there and play at the level that he's been playing has just been absolutely incredible. And it just goes to show how mentally tough the kid is, too. But I
1: mean, I think, sorry to cut you off. But I just want to say before this season, he had 281 yards total in his career. Mm-hmm. He has 335 through. Does it say how many games, Nick? Just remind games. people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the games. I see receptions. He had 25 receptions in those two years for 281 yards. This year, he has 20 receptions for 335 yards. And the way that South
0: Carolina has started to use him too. Look, and I and I get it. Okay, we've mentioned it before. Whether it be Jaheen Bell, whether it be Josh Fan, or be some of these players. I understand. This isn't a shot necessarily at you, Nick, because I do agree. Jaheen Bell, especially needs to be able to get the ball. He's too talented not to. And that's not to say Josh Fan isn't or some of the other players aren't, but at the same time, too, it's just like look, if you're going to be running the football, there's going to be a lot of 12 person. Sometimes there's even going to be 13 person Um, we've seen out there. We've seen sometimes with two running backs in the back of the- So it's going to take a receiver away sometimes. You're not going to have as many receivers on the field. So that's number one. Number two, and I've said this before, and I've gone back and I've watched it, and it's not even just necessarily one or two players. There's been multiple times where guys just aren't getting open. Mm -hmm. Guys aren't getting open downfield. And I think that's the part that's been frustrating for Rattler. I don't want to necessarily put words in his mouth because he sees the game totally differently from, from how I'm viewing it. Um, even if I'm watching on the 22, he sees the game much different. So I, I bring that up because as much as we keep talking about, okay, keep running the football, get around outside the pocket, get the ball to this guy, get the ball to that guy. Some of these guys need to take it upon themselves to say, you know what? I got to get freaking open. Mm-hmm. I got to get open. We mentioned it before from a defensive standpoint, how I think it's got better. I think it's got better. It can always get better, I think, against Kentucky, especially in the first half. They struggled with it again. But the secondary coming off their box and making tackles, right? You need to be able to do little things like that to be able to stop the problems that you're having. And obviously a problem that South Carolina has had this season as a whole, even though they did a great job in the second half against Kentucky and then big picture, they did a good job just in general. Against the Wildcats, but one of the issues South Carolina has had this season has been stopping the run. So you start to dissect it, right? Because it's real easy to be like, "Oh, you got to stop the run." Oh, well, you got to tackle. But sometimes it's a little deeper than that. Sometimes a little bit deeper than, you know, the defensive linemen need to get off. And they're bouncing, the running back to the outside. Guys need to make tackles on the perimeter. So when you flip that, now we're talking from an offensive standpoint, why is the offense having the type of success that you would like to see them have consistently in the passing game? And I think the first thing that naturally people are going to go to is the play calling. Okay, I get that. Totally understand that. But it's not always just play calling. It's not always the play calling. And when we're talking about execution, it's okay to talk about players need to do a little bit more. That's not to say that the coaches don't deserve any blame. Of course they do when things aren't going well. Shoot, even when things are going well, it's okay to be critical of the coaches. It's okay. But it's also okay to be critical of the players. I mean, shoot, I I understand this (laughs) from covering – the SEC this year from covering the NFL this season for me, right? I understand there's going to be things that you're not going to necessarily say from a college standpoint covering, covering teams like you would if you are covering the NFL. But it's okay to be critical when players need to do a little bit more. It's okay. It's the SEC. They know what they signed up for. Mm-hmm. And we're not even here bashing and shitting on individual players. It's not what we're doing. What we're saying is, as a whole, as a whole, you need to start helping out Rattler. You need to start helping yourself out more. If you want more touches, get friggin' open. Mm. Get open. And I know it's not as simple as that for every player, but as a whole, based on what I've seen over the last couple of weeks, they need to do a better job and consistently doing a better job of that. Because there have been moments. There has been spurts where they have done it Nick. There's been times certainly where I will use Jaheen, for example, where Jaheen has been open and Rattler hasn't found him. But I think we we're talking about that rapport, that relationship between the quarterback and his wide receivers, the relationship the quarterback has just as a whole with the offense, because we talked about it at the beginning of the year with that internal clock that you have as a quarterback, when to step up in the pocket, when to get out of the pocket, and how. The first three games, it was difficult for Rattler because, well, he was still trying to figure out his teammates. And then you go from playing a team in Georgia State week one to play in Arkansas week two, to playing arguably the best defense, if not one of the best defenses in the country in Georgia week three. There was just no time for him to, to really adapt to that. So we're mm-hmm. starting to see that now. We're starting to see that now. You have this extra week now you need to be able to get on the same page. You need to get on the same page. And if they can, Nick, if they can, they have the talent to be able to do some special things in this back half of the schedule. But as we mentioned before, it starts this week against A&M. Again, they have an extra week. You have an extra week. Forget the fact that – let them worry about them. You worry about yourself. You have to, have to, have to, have to come out swinging in this game. And if you can get something clicking from an offensive standpoint, man, it could be very, 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 very interesting to watch South Carolina over these last couple months of the season if they're able to get things going early against the Aggies come October 22nd.
1: And, yeah, that that's true. And I want to – before we wrap this up, we're doing a shorter um, episode today. But I do want to say I – you know, I – talked about like you we just went on about um Jaheim Bell touching the ball and you know some guys need to get more involved like Josh Van and when I say that I do agree with you Mike you know players have to step up there I'm not blaming Jaheim Bell when I say he needs to get the ball more I'm not blaming coach Satterfield when I say that I'm not blaming Rattler I'm just seeing something and the reason I say it is because When you've seen Jaheim Bell do what we've seen him do and the caliber of player we know he is, it's just kind of like no-brainer. That guy should have the ball in his hands. and But it's up to him. It's up to him to get it. It's up to Rattler to get it to him, and it's up to Satterfield to call plays that involve Jaheim Bell and get him the ball or have him as a target. So there's a lot of things going on. I mean, there... It's a lot of different levels. You don't know really who's it on. I do think the receivers have to do better to get open. Like you said, you know, you can call out players. It's just the way it is. Um, Some players need to step up. Others have been playing well this season. It's football. That's what it is. So I'm not blaming necessarily any of those guys. I, you know, I'm just putting my opinion out there. Seeing how he's played, seeing what Josh Van did last year, how good he can be—it's just like you want to mm-hmm. see those guys do what you know they're capable of. Because if they do what they're capable of, they're going to help this football team a hell of a lot. Um, so that's—I do cool. want Whether- to say
0: this, Nick. Nick, you go because I do want to add one thing that that, that I think's got to be an overlook too. I want to bring something up. Do
1: mm-hmm. you want me to finish and then it. you go? Yep. Sorry about that. All oh, good. All good. All good. Um, but uh, I'm not blaming necessarily any of those guys. I do agree. Each of, each of them as individual, each of the players as individual actually include coach Satterfield. All of them need to step up and do and keep doing better. Um, because there, there's a, I think their ceiling is much higher than what they've done so far, especially those, those three players in that and coach Satterfield. Um. But they're getting better I mean, Rattler's gotten better. Coach Satterfield, the play calling, in my opinion, has been better. Um, Whether you dislike it or like it, and that's your your own thing. Um, And so, you know, they'll continue to improve. But I just want to say I'm not necessarily blaming any of them or going after the player, but or going after the coach. You know, I don't know if it's play calling Rattler's decision making. It's probably a mix of all three. That's that's really what I'm saying. It's probably a mix of all three, a lot of miscommunication. Um, and, you know, they'll tighten that up as the season goes on, hopefully.
0: And I'll bring this up about that based on what we saw last, I'm sure they had high expectations for these two this season. And I'm not dismissing the fact that they shouldn't get the ball a little bit more, especially a guy like Jaheim Bell, just because he's so versatile. And I think that's one of the reasons why we saw him in the backfield as much as we did early in the season. I know it drove fans nuts, but if you feel like from an offensive standpoint that you have a talented player in Bell and you're struggling from a passing game situation, uh, standpoint, which we've seen those different situations early in the season, so what's the easiest way to get him the ball? Well, it's just like in youth football. You see, hand usually the most athletic but hand it to him. So that doesn't mean it's always gonna work, but I understand why people get frustrated by it. But when you try to figure out and you start pulling the layers back of what where South Carolina's offense was to start of the season, there were issues. There were issues still from a, I don't want to say from an offensive line standpoint, but with the offensive line gelling with Rattler, I think that's a better way to put it. But I do think when we talk about numbers, right, we talk about receptions, yardage, touchdown, whatever the hell you want to talk about. You're going to see some of these things, again, for a guy like maybe Jaheen Bell, for a guy like Josh Van, or whoever the hell you want to insert. Insert name here. You're going to see some of those numbers drop when you have a guy like Marshawn Lloyd doing things that a year ago South Carolina just didn't have. They didn't have a running back that was, I don't want to say capable, because certainly Kevin Harris was capable. He was just dealing with back injuries at the start of the year. But they didn't have a running back that was doing what he's doing right now. They just didn't. That's not an opinion. That's, that's a fact. So how you adjust as the season goes on is huge when you're talking about good coaching. And I feel like we've seen that with Satterfield over the last couple of weeks. I feel like we're starting to see him adjust to the strengths of the offense and the strengths of his players. That doesn't mean there aren't things that, that he's going out there that maybe at times he's trying to force, they're trying to do, or maybe it's not the right time to do it. But I feel like we're starting to see An identity, and I hate using that phrase because it's such a easy phrase to say. Starting to see an identity with this offense, and and the identity of this offense is a team that wants to be able to run first and open up the passing game through it. Mm -hmm. Hey, Matt, how you doing?
1: And that's that's definitely what they want to do. Um, And I'm glad to see. I know you said you don't like the identity thing, but I'm glad to see they have one. I mean, we've been going all season and it's like what is it what are they trying to do and you just don't know and and it's just been it's hard to it was hard to watch at times but i think the kind of theme of this episode overall and going into the bye week you know is improvement we're seeing every level improve every both sides of the ball are getting better players are getting better you're seeing satterfield's play calling get a little bit better um like you said, sometimes, you know, it doesn't look like the right play, maybe not at the right time, you know, but that, that happens. The truth is, I mean, South Carolina is never going to play the perfect football game. If you're waiting for that, it's never going to happen. It's just not like maybe in a couple of years. But, I mean, even Georgia makes mistakes. Even Alabama makes mistakes. Um, so we're never going to see a perfect football game. So I think the theme is just after Kentucky, keep on improving the way you have this season. Rest up get some players healthy and, you know, have go into Willie, be ready to play and try and get another sec win. And I think that's uh hopefully what South Carolina is going to do, but yeah, I think the theme for the most part is improvement. Keep improving.
0: That's all you can do right now. It's, that's honestly what it comes down to As cliches. As it sounds as, you know, I'm sure there'd be people that would say, well, I want, I want, I want to see more. I want to hear more. I get that. But right now, this is who you are. This is where you're at. And for the most part, for the most part, I feel like South Carolina has done what we expected them to be able to do up to this point. I mean, we talked about it before the season, Nick, right? You want to look at it from a win-loss standpoint. I wanted to see South Carolina be able to get, you know, seven, eight wins this year. I felt like it was realistic. I felt like it was realistic with this group. And now we've seen them get to a point now where they're 4-2. You're looking at the back half of the schedule. And this is like the only time I'm going to do this unless you get to a, towards the end of the season. And South Carolina needs a win or two to become bowl eligible. So I'll do this this week where they are now in position, when you look at it, right, Vandy, Missouri, even A&M, a banged-up A&M team. Florida, you have opportunities to go out there and win at least three of these games to end oh, yeah. the season to get to seven wins. So, again, we'll worry about that as the season yeah. continues to play out. But what I'm trying to get at is this is a good point where South Carolina is. If they can find a, way, find a way to get this win against A&M coming up. They're going to put themselves in a great, great, great situation as far as win and losses go, but more importantly, just from a confidence standpoint, knowing, hey, look, <laughs> we've won four in a row, back-to-back SEC games, one win away from being bowl eligible and on top of that, we have a chance to be able to finish in the top three, if not top two, in the SEC. So. Again, all that stuff doesn't happen unless they take care of business against A&M, but it's just trying to show folks out there like, hey, look, if you've been thinking like, all right, this team, they're not going to be able to do it. Not... It's okay to smile right now. I said that last week. It's mm-hmm. okay to smile. They're making progress, yeah. but we'll have to wait and see what they do against A&M because, you know, they can go out, they lose the game, what, what do they do from a schematic standpoint do they make any adjustments do they show that early fight like we've been talking about those are the things that i'm looking for the most from this team opposed to or you know justin about just talking about the the win loss which is real easy to mention yeah we'll
1: have to we'll have to see and uh you know, I agree. There, there are, you look, you look down the schedule with the current record they have, and you can, you, you can make your brain do crazy things. Of, like that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. They're at this many wins. Um, so as we've said many times, let's pump the brakes. Let's, let's get a win against AM. and uh, other than that Gamecock fans, you got to enjoy the week off. Um, some great football this weekend. Bama plays Tennessee. They're Three undefeated versus undefeated matchups this weekend. TCU, I think it's TCU, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Alabama, Michigan, Penn State, all play this weekend. So if you just love college football, have a lot of fun this weekend because this is going to be awesome.
0: I'm trying to mute myself here as I walk into Gillette Stadium. You can probably hear some of those fans in the background. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up here. But, hey, bottom line is this. Midway point, all things considered, the injuries, the slow starts of the season, South Carolina is 4-2. They have time now to regroup. They have time now to be able to get ready and healthy for an opportunity under the lights at home against a team that kicked your teeth in last year. I bring that up because that should be even more motivation heading into this game, and you have an opportunity to really send a message not just to the SEC but to the rest of the country that this is a team that's starting to make progress a team that 2 years ago fired their coach brought a new coach in and he was getting paid to be able to turn this thing around well he's doing that now and now we're starting to see south carolina start to turn the page nick we're going to wrap things up here appreciate everyone that listened today we'll do it again next week and we'll talk about Texas A&M taking on the Gamecocks game week next week. Enjoy the off week, folks. Like Nick said, a lot of good football to watch this weekend. Have a good time and uh, we'll talk next Tuesday. <laughs> Hopefully.